How's it going, Lee? How's it going, Gabe? We are back at it again. At the crossroads. So, um, we were discussing when we were still trekking along like usual, but, um, you know, we got off track a little bit for personal reasons on my end, but very good personal reasons that we may get into at some point. Who knows? But, um, (laughs) there was, um... You know, it's probably been about a month, and it's been a uh, what, do you, what would you say a jam-packed month of events, both good and bad. Mostly bad, it seems like July. And um, we were discussing George Floyd's death and incident, um, or the events that have transpired since then. And but there's been a lot more. So it feels like every day, right? It's something else coming up. It's like every minute. Yeah. It's like it's like the news cycle, but in reality. It's like what we call it event cycle. There's like an event cycle happening, twenty four hour event cycle of just bombshell. Never bomb ending show. news. Literally bombs too. I mean, depending on That was what, what two days ago? Yeah, by Beirut. Beirut. Lebanon. Mm-hmm. There was the firework incident apparently. Well, that's one of the speculations. That's what yeah, that's what the the, the what is it called? The their uh, press and their government is that's claiming what's, that that's it what they're uh, saying, huh? Has to do with fireworks, but so a lot of people have that. find it very fishy. Yeah, and then I saw on Twitter there's been like a bunch of other fires around, like even the Middle East and Iraq and other places. So who knows what's going on? Yeah, lots of fire. Could be just it's hot right now, and fires are easy to start. We won't know. I mean, there's definitely um, enough heat right now, when in terms just in terms of the virus and was it hydroxychloroquine and big media or or um, big social media, and then you have you know Flynn. What's his name? General Flynn. You have the voting, mail-in voting discussion and then you have the police cams coming out or the police cam i guess it was leaked out that showed oh this week past week yeah this yeah there was like this past week it showed some of the footage that was missing between the arrest and when the officer had his knee on george floyd's neck and then you had um what else there was there um you have you still got the riots with i mean Depending on who you are, you would call them Antifa, you would call them peaceful protesters or rioters or whatever you want to call them. Excuse me. And then you would have um, all these federal cases for domestic ter- domestic terrorism. Um, Paul, I think his name is, or what is it? Jake Paul. Jake Paul. His house is, was raided because I guess he was in one of those protest um, areas. And then... Um, so many different things are happening right now. It makes your head spin. It can. Oh, you have um, Barry Weiss leaving New York Times. And I forget the other woman's name. She left MSNBC. It's interesting because they were both liberal, but they felt that the environments were very toxic. And then Ellen Ellen DeGeneres, her work environment, or that oh, yeah, it's all work getting, environment was very toxic exposed. as well. Yeah. That's crazy. So... I don't know what to say other than there's a lot going on right now and it just doesn't seem like... Oh, well, there's... What's his name? Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac? The, the pastor? John MacArthur. Oh, you call him Johnny Mac? From L.A. The cool, what's up, Mac? The people in the know, the cool people call him Johnny Mac. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cool enough. Uh, yeah, he won't... He won't obey orders or county, state mandates to close churches... He did previously, or the first go around, but now I guess, yeah. He's tired of it. He's tired of it. Tired of the hypocrisy. He's seen. I don't know. I shared earlier on on our group chat that there was a service in a Walmart because right. I saw just a show, you know. Yeah. Why is that okay versus you know church services and whatnot? So, I think it's in his. I mean, I forget the exact comment he made, but it was. The state doesn't give that privilege. It's it's a God given privilege to be able to 
gather in a church and whatnot. So, I mean, if if he if he didn't if they didn't gather, you know, first round, right of of the lockdown, and now there's all these different incidents of you know suppression of free speech and suppression of freedom of religion and obviously the the whole purpose of separation of church and state was to allow churches to not be infringed on by the state by government so we're we're quickly quickly seeing that and there was that big old party in LA was that last night or the night before it was shooting like, yeah this recent and now they're trying to now they're they're um, now that it's kind of like um when the kids like in school, when one of the kids are bad, it's like everyone gets in trouble. Mm. So now everybody's getting in trouble. So if you have a party or some sort of gathering and they find out they're going to shut down your water and electricity. Being made an example of. Mm-hmm. So sounds like they're they're going hard on on certain rule breakers. Rule basically. breakers yeah. and the certain part of the population versus others and. It's it's going to lead to it's going to continue leading to more unrest, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's enough of a a swing back in terms of like the repercussions of it. You know the what you call like don't tread on me types. You know the gun owners. It doesn't seem like there's that part of the conflict. It just seems like it's on one one area. It's in one area of of an ideological um, push of anti, what is it, authority. And it's more like chaos and what's that, um, what's that word? Like not punk, not, what's it called? Um, Someone who's into chaos. An anarchist? Anarchist. There's a lot of anarchists out there. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to... It's hard to. I think it was interesting that you sent me the um, Mike Michael Malice podcast. He was with uh, having a conversation with I forget who now. Comic Dave Smith. With Dave Smith, so Dave Smith made the point that it's hard to use certain terms to be able to label ideolo- certain ideologies or I guess perspectives on on what people are saying because it may not be the case that they are for instance, a Marxist or maybe even like a socialist or what have you. But, and and it's funny because I think that's an important point in that it's hard to fit people in certain categories only because it's, it's such an amalgamation of all of it. Like, um, the other day I wrote on, I wrote like notes saying that there's the, the Holy Trinity, right? So you have the father, son, Holy spirit. And then on the other side, I wrote kind of like the anti um, the anti, Holy Trinity. Antichrist. Yeah, which would be like the Antichrist, right? So it would be like Marxism, um, socialism, and I don't know, identity politics or critical theory or something. Like there's three. Um, the Holy Trinity of? Of Satan, I guess you could say. It's like it's not just one. It's all these that's hitting the U.S. at once. That's what it looks like to me at least. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. So there's a. It's 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 a complete attack on all fronts, right? And so, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, the, what do you do to be able to with, to speak out against it? Because then there's a fear for your life and your income if you're if this is something that's happening at your work workplace. So, it's a very interesting time, especially if you're one that has a family. Like maybe I do have. I mm-hmm. don't know. We'll find out later. But yeah, you certainly have not enjoyed this um, quarantine lifestyle. No, no, I have not. At least uh, I've been feeling a little bit more the last few weeks. Definitely, just the you know, not necessarily the, that there's a virus out there that wants to get you, attack you at night in a dark alley. Uh, it's not necessarily the political unrest, even though it's not great. It's not great to see. Uh, for me, it had more to do with just the feeling like you're being you're being closed in or, or imprisoned in your own home. Hmm. So for me, it's been more like the psychological aspect of it, the understanding that 
normally, right, normal circumstances, normal terms, a home is your escape from the outside world, and it's it's a you know your fortress of fortress of solitude. Excuse me for the Superman Superman fans, and uh, yeah, as of late, it's like it's gone old. You know, it's gone old, and and it's it's funny because actually uh, my wife and I were talking about it, and we were realizing like. This is just California, though. Like, not every state mm-hmm. or foreign country is like this right now. Like, they have different protocols, they have different rules, and what have you. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not it has been easy. At least, I mean, because it's you know, and then it's hot. It's hot out, and yeah, psychologically, like it's taking a toll. Yeah, it's not easy to deal with all of the. I mean, it's not easy to be able to see the civil unrest while also dealing with the limitations of virus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's understandable for anyone to feel, I don't know, like conflicted or just that internal tur- turmoil of what do I do? Mm-hmm. Where do I go? I can't. Like... um on YouTube, there's a these YouTubers, right? And they, this is specifically for like photography and whatnot. And he mentioned the whole Kodak mm-hmm. loan that the government, the, the government loaned Kodak to be able to use that money to produce um, drugs. I think it was hydroxychloroquine, right? Or mm-hmm. something for the coronavirus, right? And then he mentioned the Trump administration and the insider trading and who benefited from the increase in stock and you know he kind of just mentioned that in like 30 seconds it wasn't like a long portion of it because that's not his thing it's it's more specifically dealing with photography and then on instagram he was putting up stories and screenshots of some of the comments that people were making about the video say saying that like oh you went political and i don't like that and so i'm gonna unsubscribe like it's it's a sad day for for your to like for me to see that on your channel mm-hmm. and there was like five or six comments about it and people were saying like i don't want to see i don't want to hear this i'm gonna unsubscribe so at first i thought yeah like why why even get into the politics of whatever it is right but it, he i think he did a good job of not getting political necessarily but then i thought how i guess toxic or how sad it is for him to not, for him, how sad, how sad is it to see that even though he briefly touched on like the topic of stocks and politics and what that looks like of potential insider trading and whatnot. And, and then to, to see the back, the backlash, it's like people are so just fed up with it. They, they don't want to hear it, but it's not like he did some overt, like, this is what I believe and this is my opinion about it. It's just, this is what's going on and Hey, like what, what, what's going to happen? This is, this is what I see. And it wasn't really in depth either, you know? So it's just interesting because it made me think that, well, there's nothing wrong with what he did necessarily, because if you look at other places, yeah, it's very political. Like you look at sports, it's very political right now. If you look at the education system, higher education, whatnot, like everything's become so political, you know, even who you hang out with apparently, is political, you know, and how you engage in Instagram is political. So I can see how people were just fed up with all that. Right. Because before the idea was I go to sports to escape from reality, to escape from current events, to escape from all the, you know, the outside world. And, and so now, like you're saying, there's people that want to infuse political activism, political stances into their normal everyday lives. And, I mean, I, I guess it kind of goes to the territory as far as, like, this nation is divided. This mm-hmm. nation is, at least in in, in uh, political theory, right, or in that sense, culturally, you know, that's another way of looking at it, too. But that's already, that's already happening. That's why there are people that they do wish that the union would to be, would to be broken up, you know, so that... Texas can do what they want. California can do what they want. You know, New York can do what they want. And, 
that way, you know, one state won't get in the way of the other. So, I mean, there's there's that, but like you're saying, yeah, it's definitely it's it's come to to surface, come to light with even yeah, even within relationships, right? That there I've seen like people talk about oh, I'm not talking to my son and my daughter anymore because they're not voting for Trump or vice versa. I can't believe, you know, my parents are voting for this person or that person. Mm. And, and Yeah. It's affecting relationships. Yeah. Really uh, negatively, and it's it's sad. I mean, it's so... I wonder why, though. I mean, there's definitely... Um, is it critical theory? I forget one of these philosophies that want that purposely make everything political. And I, th- I think it might be critical theory, but I forget now, but I know, I know it's definitely been, uh, it's been like an organized effort to be able to, to, to get us to the point where everything becomes so political for whatever reason, that's where we're at now. And it's just so sad to see. And I think your, um, you text, you texted us the other day about this church in Tustin, I think it was. Oh yeah, and there's a church in Tustin that's displaying signs about uh, give progressive Christianity a try. Yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because um, that whole uh, documentary I know that you shared, and then Eddie Sale, Eddie Sale um, shared as well, Pastor Eddie Sale, and and how like the church has been. I guess um, how do you say it? Compromised in a sense. Hijacked. Hijacked to. To the point where now they're they're taking on critical theory and I forget multiculturalism. I forget the other in that progressivism. One, yeah, essentially progressivism. And then now John MacArthur mm-hmm. is not listening to the stay-at-home order mandates or whatever they're calling them now. Shutdown uh, shut mandates. I know we don't. I don't even know what they're called anymore at this point. Yeah. But it's it's interesting how. You would you would want to look to me. You would want to look to those in in the faith community. I think obviously for us it would be more um, like Christian based because because then you have something. You have a, a like the documentary said. You have a standard to to be able to discern what decisions are made, or to be able to discern what the validity of a, a certain decision. Um, looks like right so you want to know is this aligned with scripture or not and it and it's looking more and more like it's not right like if you look at the organizational about me page on black lives matter they have a section that says to that they're looking to um dismantle the western ideology or the western idea of of um fa- the family structure the, the nuclear right. family and so when and then that what what was that one clip? I forget his name that on the ESPN show when he said, I don't know if I want to, if I agree with that. Oh, I was talking about Marcellus Wiley. Yeah, yeah. Marcellus Wiley. And then you had other NBA, another NBA player that says, I'm not going to wear the shirt. I'm not going to kneel because I don't think that is really helping black lives um, improve. I'm going to do things. I'm going to actively act out. And then he went into like his faith and, and Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, yeah. And how we're all made in the image of God and whatnot. So, like you look at that and I think more and more I'm trying to stay away from I'm trying to stay away from just people or views, perspectives that are just more that are that are just counter to the progressive um what is it? point or the progressive talking points, but more about like who who's going into like scripture because I think for for me it's that's more foundational than anything else. Cause then you have like Dave Rubin or um, just like some of the more like atheist types that are, that see how wrong this is. And, but yet they're not at the level that we're at when it comes to how important scripture is like Tim pool and whatnot. So to me, it's, it's like they're one level closer to us, but they're not where we're at, where we believe in this foundational objective, objective truth which is at the very bedrock of this society, right? Judeo-Christian values, which is what has allowed us to flourish. If there's a case to be made, I think there is 
for us to get to the point where we're at right now, right? And then what what, what you see is then was it the nineteen seventeen project or the seventeen nineteen project? The 16, 16? 17, 16, 18. Yeah. yeah, which is trying to say that the U.S. was originally founded back in the early sixteen hundreds, and then. That dealt with like the slave trade, right? Yeah, that's what that's what Dave uh, Smith and Michael Malice talked about. As far as revisionist history is yeah. looking to to reestablish America as a country that was completely the center point or the center, uh, yeah, the main staple, I guess, or the main uh, driving force behind the creation of America was slavery. And that's where Dave Rubin, or not, sorry, not Dave Rubin, Dave Smith says that um, it's painting the picture as though slavery is uniquely American. Mm. It's uniquely part of America's identity and found, founding history. And he's saying it's actually not because at the time, most countries, more, most civilizations, most cultures practice some form of slavery, indentured servitude. I think even Michael, yeah, Michael included how uh, there were a lot of a lot of white slaves at the time too. Endangered, can I say that word? Endangered, endangered. Okay, endangered. He alluded to there were some Irish people that Mm -hmm. were in the country too that were brought over as slaves. But um, he's like, yeah, nobody, nobody recognizes that. We want to recognize how far back, you know, slavery goes in this country. Um, But then, right. But then the idea, or the, at least for me anyway, um, in all things, right, you have to, you have to be able to examine and critique things to the point of, okay, what's the meaning behind this? How did this originate? You know, mm-hmm. what's this really about? And and that's one of the, I guess, one of the sad parts of of this country, slavery, the fact that. This country's, you know, at its core, it was about the ideas of liberty, of individuals, of being, like you said, being created in the image of God. And and unfortunately, you know, even so, you know, liberty's at the forefront of this country. At the beginning, slavery was a big part of it. So in that sense, I mean, that's a fact. And um, it's definitely something that has to be right further dissected further looked upon because one of the things I, I think i've mentioned it too as far as studying the founding fathers is that there were abolitionists amongst the founding fathers right, who at one point or another attempted to to get rid of slavery within their own states and and how it's documented how john adams his correspondence with his wife abigail that was included in, in some of their correspondence. Why didn't you guys include, you know, women's rights, women's suffrage, and the abolition of slavery? You know, and, and Adams is saying it was, we couldn't even get together to all agree and to vote unanimously to seek independence amongst the 13 colonies because I believe it was New York that um, mm, really? th- they, I forget the term now. But they they voted present, but they didn't vote yes or no or yes or nay, yay or nay. Um, so, anyways, yeah, that's one of the things that you know we have to examine. We have to recognize it for what it was. It was evil. It was horrible. It was immoral. And at the same time, realize like, again, going back to the revisionist history, is that slavery was a part of this land even before America was founded. So I mean, you could look. That's another way of looking at it, right? That it was inherited by. It's like baggage, in a right? Sense. It's it was inherited by the previous the previous uh, authorities, or previous government, previous right people in power. Um, but that, again, that's that's all revisionist. I think I think Michael and Dave kind of alluded. They've alluded that alluded to that a little bit as far as like the revisionist history nowadays, as far as civil war is concerned, is because it was started due to slavery. Where there's like so much else going on yeah, that story. Because yeah. like Barry might do the same for something like World War Two. Oh, I know. like why did World War Two happen? Yeah. And it might be oh well, it's because of the Holocaust. 
It's like, well, that's part of the story, you know, but that's not the center of, of its origin. Yeah, it's like, um, I think that may have mentioned that history is written by the winners. Con- the conquerors. The conquerors. Yeah. So it's... Victor. It's easier to say that we went to, we we were involved in World War, World War II because of Hitler. So that we we can say that we um, were the heroes or, or something to that well, effect. Indir- right, it, indirectly it was Hitler, but directly it was because Pearl Harbor was attacked by the, the Japanese Empire. That would be more accurate to say. Right. That the U.S. got involved because you, of that. The U.S. was trying as much as it, as it possibly could to stay out of it. Which I would say is, would, would have been the right decision. At the time. At the time. Especially because there was no way of knowing... There's no way of of knowing what role the U.S. could even play because different continent, different... It's funny we mentioned that. I think yesterday was the anniversary of the the, the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh. So I think it was 70, 75. Wow. 75, I believe. That's crazy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right? And the revision is history, right? Now is we didn't have to do that. Right, yeah. Now it's, there was no... It was overboard or... Yeah, it was, it was overkill. Overboard, yeah, overkill. And the Japanese had no, they had no further um, advancement. The opportunity of, of offense, of, of an offensive strike, I should say, at the time. Even though in history there are generals that, at the time that were saying... That these people are excellent f- combat fighters. These are excellent soldiers, and there's no way that they're just going to give up. They're going to surrender without a fight. I mean, if they're willing to, what is it called, a kamikaze? Yeah. If they're willing to do that. Did you did you see that story of that one soldier somewhere in the Pacific, in the Pacific Islands, that he he ended up being by himself. It was, the, I forget the name of the soldier. In the, in the a actual, U.S. soldier? No, Japanese. Oh, okay. So he, at the very, towards the end of the war, it was him and his uh, commanding officer. They were stuck, stranded on an island, and they were the last of their company or what have you, that were there. And so his commanding officer said, I'm going to take off in this boat and try to go get reinforcements, go get help, but do not give up the island. Wow. And then that's like in the you know mid nineteen forties, and then like, I guess he was found thirty years later. The general, the soldier that stayed behind, there he yeah. was on the island. Yes, and he was so dedicated that he did not believe the people that were that he, they found him. They were interacting with him, telling him, "No, World War Two's over. It's done with." He's like, "No, nah, I don't believe you." And it, yeah, and it took his. His commanding officer, I don't know if it was the same commanding officer or a different commanding officer, to go and talk to him and reach him and tell him, yes, we did. you need to stand down. We surrendered, and the war's over. It was just him, though. It was by him himself. by himself for 30 years. For 30 years. Yeah. That's how dedicated these type of soldiers were. No internet, no phone, no... <laughs> no, no nothing, dude. No resources. You're just, you're just stuck on a deserted island by yourself. For 30 years. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, right? I mean, you got to give it to him, right? He's willing to take it that far, right? He exactly. was willing to die on that well, hill. That's, just, that's what I'm on saying. That that's like, I'm, not, I'm not defending or advocating for the, the bombs that are being dropped, but... It just goes to show how... How dedicated, yeah. how disciplined, how thorough these soldiers were at the time, you know? That's crazy. So then what that shows is how complicated all of this is, right? Very complicated. There's no way to say that it's black and white, that There's yes no, or no. There is no black and white when it comes to I think, again, war, it, it goes into, yeah, especially like war, when you deal with like human nature, right? I right. mean, I mean, there's right and wrong. There's morality, right. of course. But like I said, we're, we're when, we can, when we take everything into consideration, we're still human at the end of the day. We all have our faults. We all have our shortcomings, our defaults, our defects. And that's going back to the, what you're talking about, the progressive point of view, where yeah. where 
our friend Rudy, how he put it, it's a snake eating its own tail at the end of the day because now it's, and I heard recently, going back to Dave and, and Michael, they're going after Noam Chomsky. They are now? They're trying to, like, maybe this was a few weeks back, but they were trying to cancel him on Twitter. And their whole point was like, this is a 90-year-old man who doesn't have a Twitter account. So, they were trying to cancel him on Twitter, and he's not even on he's Twitter. He's not even on Twitter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just yeah. the moral outrage, right? It's just complete moral outrage. So then, if it, because human nature is so complicated and we're all just so messy as people, how how do we deal with like moral absolute, absolutism? How, how you say that word? Absolutism? Absolutes? Yeah. Moral absolutes. There you go. What's what's right and what's wrong according to those same rules that everybody's playing by. Right. So then we could say that if we look scripturally speaking, there are more absolutes. Correct. But then, well, not but then. It would be also when we look at Old Testament versus New Testament, Christ kind of puts all the Old Testament moral absolutes on its and it turns it all on their, on their head. In a sense, right? Well, he, he just says he didn't come to to um, get rid of the law. He came to complete the law. To fulfill. fulfill the law, right? Yeah. So I think that to me is like, ah, it kind of, not that it's complicated, but that it's, it's so nuanced, right? To me, it, it makes everything so nuanced in that the moral absolutes make sense in that That was the whole point of Christ, I think, is to say that it's a nuanced moral absolute. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Well, like Christ was the, I want to look at that way. He was the fulfillment of all, all righteousness, justice, truth, love, mercy. He was a, the fulfillment of all those things. He was a completion of all those things because it was God incarnate. So there's no way God can contradict himself. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't it's, contradiction it's, of it's right because it it is correct to say there are some things that are that go well. How should I put it? There are things that God cannot do hmm. because God cannot lie. Right. God cannot lie because God is truth. Yeah. That's. God cannot be unrighteous because he is righteousness. Mm -hmm. He is mercy. He cannot be unmerciful. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's, if you look at how, I'm just trying to dissect or, or delineate or dissect or unpack or whatever you want to, whatever word, Ex word you want to. Expound upon. Expound upon, <laughs> explore be critical of or whatever you want to say that um, the point of what we're dealing with now is how, how like moral absolute, how morally absolute or how moralistic they are in their outlook when it comes to what human behavior looks like. So instead of looking at it in the way that we're discussing of was it right or wrong, it's hard to say for the U S to have, dropped uh, the atomic bombs when you bring up uh, a point of this Japanese soldier was willing to stay on an island for 30 years because he was commanded tasked to do that don't give up the island right now if you look at what we the through the lens of 2020 progressivism is everything is racial right racial but it's also um oppressor and oppressed it's it deals with economics the one percent versus the low income or the have-nots it's it's rudimentary to uh right marxism it's right? it's Communism. absent yeah it's absent of human behavior and it's just marxism it's Where just the lens is is always um everything is a class struggle class struggle exactly. and right now the the champion or the hero that They've chosen to to put on a pedestal, right? It's a, it's a certain demographic of our 
population. It's black people. Yeah. Black Americans. But then you add in LGBTQ into that mix of uh, that bag, I guess, if you want to say it that way. You shake it up and then you get that kind of further um, oppressed group. Mm -hmm. Not just black, but it's trans black and it's dark, apparently. Darker, the better. Now it's colorism. Yeah, colorism. It's it's that tail eating itself (laughs) that we're talking about. And it's interesting that a lot of criticism you hear from those who subscribe to that is that there's social constructionism or um, what's the word that everything's a social construct, right? Social mm-hmm. construction constructionism that they're that we're all just a blank slate. Everything's made up. Everything's made up. It's just gender's not real or um, apparently virginity's not real or, you know, certain things like that, that biological sex, I already said that thing. And then there's the, the stereotypes of, being a man and woman or whatever it is, right? It, it's all just made up. It's just what we, society has told us to, to believe in. Put a, has put a label on these things. And, and put a label, yeah, to put a label on these things. And, meaning, but I did not consent to any kind of right. meaning to be put upon it's me. It's not equitable right. because there are certain outcomes that aren't fair to certain populations, primarily the black community. Right. But then you... Say that, or people that subscribe to that will say this, but then also say that everything's racial. Mm -hmm. So, if everything's made up, then what? What's the point of saying everything is racial? Or what's the point of putting value into? Or putting value into that? That um, I think the criticism. Yeah, because I think the counter argument is going to be like, well, there is uh, systemic oppression that we can see. There's 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 things within within our society that systemically they're set up to to elevate certain groups and to demoralize other groups. But then you go to their their other um you go back to the social construction. Well, you can just say systemic oppression is um made up and that what you what your claims are saying is not even real because none of that exists in the first place. Race doesn't exist. Race doesn't exist. Stats don't exist. Outcomes don't even exist. Um, you know, everything falls apart basically. You know what? I point. didn't think I didn't think about that before. You just brought something to my attention. Yeah, like why? Why like, care? Why? Right, right. But then, like, like now that I'm looking at it, why is it that we can construct gender or misgender? Why is that a thing? But then you can't apply the same concept, the same ideas to race. It's like, okay, and, and I think it lines up exactly what you've said about how people, I forget the, the exact words, but you can probably correct me in that, well, I'm going to be upset at God, even though I don't believe in God. Oh, or the, I forgot how the, you said the, it. the idea that there are some atheists that they come across as though they have an axe to grind because they're going to say, I don't believe in this imaginary God figure, but I'm still going to be upset and speak out against him. Right. And his ideas, these, these supposed ideas that he came up with and he had some guy write down, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, however, however long ago. So it's, I think it's that same, um, what is that, contradiction, that same idea that everything's socially constructed, a.k.a. Um, God isn't real, but also there's oppression. God is real, I guess. I'm trying to create some yeah. equivalency to make well, it more sense. Make it more sense. Make I, help under help us understand yeah, why. Yeah, because like I think like for me the one of the better, uh, not better, but a clear explanation of all this, uh, as far as like identity is concerned, was with Erwin uh, Erwin McManus from Mosaic. Oh yeah, that he he said uh, as far as like his sexuality is concerned. You know, he's a heterosexual male. He's like, but the fact that he's a heterosexual male, he said that's only one of his traits that he subscribes to or that can identify him or that can give him some kind of meaning or some kind of character to to the person that he is. He's like, but that's just one aspect of me. 
He's like, there's way more to me than this, just this one fact about me, one, just this one um, character, personality trait about me. Because I, I, I forget who I was telling. I was like, yeah, I was like, somebody's sex, somebody's gender, somebody's uh, ethnicity, color, skin color, culture, I guess you can throw in there too. But all of these are very, very surface level, you know, traits mm-hmm. that, you know, most of us, that's just who we are. There's no escaping that. They're just ingredients. But they don't, right. They're ingre- Exactly. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Like, like almost like baking a cake. Or, yeah. These are all just different ingredients that have been put together that have created a, this person. But then it's the... I guess the icing, it's the, the experience of, of interacting with that, with the ingredients that make, that help us understand what those ingredients tell us. Does that make sense? So it's like you put in the ingredients together, your race, culture, sex, gender, and then you interact with that, right? So you, you taste it and, and it's either a good or a bad cake. It's either a good or a bad person. But then the person interacting with that cake can, maybe it's a chocolate cake and people love chocolate cake or it's a vanilla or it's a pumpkin or I forget, different flavors. Mm-hmm. But it's different flavors and then you have preferences based off of those flavors. Right. But then you can have same ingredients in different cakes. You got to have flour, you got to have eggs, you got to have whatever it is. But there's something to say when it comes to the interaction with it. It's like taste buds. Your taste buds, everyone's taste buds are different, right? They, they change th- throughout time. And they change throughout time based on what your experiences are or just kind of, you know, how you interact with certain um, flavors and spices and whatnot. So I think what you're saying is, is I think it's really relevant. So this is what came to mind for me, if I can read it real quick. Because uh, I was trying to, I couldn't, I couldn't remember the phrase, the terminology. Uh, but I remember, you chew on this. Uh, I can't even hold on. I'm trying to come up with how to present this. If you say that something is more than the sum of its parts, or greater than the sum of its parts. You mean that it is better than you would expect from the individual parts because the way they combine adds a different quality. There you go. So, I know, but there's more there that I'm trying to <laughs> try to. Do. But yeah, like, it's complicated well, though. It's a comp- with a lot of. It's yeah. hard to like digest that right away. Yeah. So the more greater than the sum of its parts definition meaning no, that's not what I'm looking for. Which is greater, the whole or the sum of its parts? That's all perspective. It can be perspective, going back to moral relativism. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's 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 like this. So the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. That's what I was. Trying the whole to is greater than the sum the sum of the parts, right? So then, it in a sense, your race, culture, gender, all that is irrelevant if you're a crappy person, like a rude person. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. But if you're rude, so you're rude. Yeah. So that'd be like. Another way to put it, I drive a 1988 Honda Accord LX, and it's a V6, but the steering wheel is made out of solid gold. Yeah. <laughs> Still a 1988. It doesn't I'm, matter. I'm not knocking anybody that drives a 1988 <laughs> Honda Accord. More props to you. That car is probably still on the road. If, you're, if you take care, take care, took care of it or maintained it. Took, took care of it. Right? But yeah. I think that's right. That's kind of what we're yeah, getting Yeah, because on. if you think about like, yeah, a car again. There's all these different components to the car. Right. But if it doesn't work. What does it matter? It doesn't matter what engine you have or what stereo system you have. It's irrelevant at that point. Mm-hmm. Because if if it's not working in unison and cohesively and in, in collaboration or what have you, then it doesn't matter what the parts are. As long as it works. As long as you act out in the world that's uh, what is it acceptable I guess you could say as long as you can act in a way that is acceptable by your peers and your relationships and what have you it doesn't really matter what 
you are what you are, right? Like your gender or your race or your ethnicity or any of that. It's irrelevant. Well, how how about we put it like this? There could only there could only be so much value into well I was gonna say there's there could only be so much value into these things, but at the same time, looking at it from a Christian perspective, right? <laughs> it sounds like you're just thinking out loud. Yeah. No, because well, going back to Jonathan Isaac and what he said, he's like the reason why I don't kneel is because it's because of my beliefs in Christ and and what he was alluding to was saying all of my beliefs, all of my understanding, all of my point of views are centered around this person of Christ. So that's where he's drawing out meaning. That's where he's drawing out purpose, intent. That's supreme to everything else around him. Correct. It doesn't matter what his teammates are doing or saying or who they are, what their names are. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. Right. Because then, okay. And then that same train of thought, how much. Doesn't, doesn't it, um, doesn't Christ say that I came to make you whole also? Or no? Did I make that up? I've come to make you whole? I don't know why I said that. Hmm. I don't know why I said that. I may have made that up. Did you make that up, Gabriel? Let's see. I better not. Let's okay, see. so. So he said that he won't kneel or or do any of those things because, like you said, he's pulling his meaning. It contradicts his following of Christ, right? Or his meaning, the meaning, the purpose of life that he gets from Christ, right? So for for us, it's it's that um, that foundation is more important, right? That. Like that body of of principle, I guess you could say, like the body of work of scripture and Christ, like his his message to us is saying that follow me, right? It's not do what's convenient. It's not you know follow this in that trend. It's it's to follow me. It's to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's to live out faith, right? It's not what you see. It's what you hear. So if you think about it that way, right? It's it's that's a whole other thing. It's yeah, faith, living by faith. So that like, yeah, so then that that's like the level up, essentially. Yeah, it's that. How do you level up? It's it's living out life by faith. You should be able to. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Unseen, things, exactly. Things so I was going to say like. Yeah. So if, if it's unseen, so if you if you walk through whatever the chaos looks, whatever that looks like doesn't really matter because there's some other worldly reality that you're hopefully tapping into through faith that you cannot see that's that's getting you through that storm right so it doesn't even matter what the civil unrest looks like it doesn't matter what again does all that goes away at that at that at the end of the day because your your transcendence through faith is is what's going to, I guess, get you through the day, right? It's going to get you through the day of sleepless nights and, you know, conflict and just whatever trauma you're dealing with that through that day, dealing with at that at that time, it, it's got to be, because again, like if you think about some of, like if you think about pain and trauma, conflict, um, there's nothing that it, that you can say that attributes to someone's race, gender, ethnicity, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Like that's, again, it, it goes to all that is irrelevant when you are dealing with pain or when you're dealing with hope. Well, these are deeper yeah, emotions or feelings cause you, or Because you said, like, you said, when you said um, he's come to give us, to make us whole, the, what, the verse that came up, I, I didn't find anything on... On the, online, but the verse that came up was for me is uh, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's probably what I was talking about. That's that's what I meant by whole. Ho- yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just right. said I said whole because I guess in the in the context. Cause that, yeah, because it's like how would I put it? It's not that these attributes don't give us any kind of any kind of significant meaning or 
but at the same time, it's like how much meaning could they actually give us purpose, right? As far as purpose is concerned, as far as um, as far it, as life, it's not is sustainable, right? Because yeah. how, then, then because I always kind of factor in, I guess, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right, and he's saying. How he hoped one day that his children would not be judged by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. Because you might not have a say, you might not have a choice in in your outward appearance, right? Your features and whatnot. Even though it's twenty twenty, and I mean <laughs> plastic surgery, is ridiculous <laughs> yeah. at this point. It's a meme. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, as far as your character, like you said, like you said, like you might have. X, Y, and Z, but this guy's still a jerk, you know, this guy, this guy that I, I work with or this guy that I see, you know, on a weekly, daily basis, like, he's still a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't change that. So uh, that's, a, that's a very interesting point that you, that you brought up. So the verse was, I came to give you life and life, life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. So that, I guess for me, I would take that as I came to make you whole, like, like, or what is giving us life, right? Or what is giving us life, right? So what is giving us that is, meaning and purpose? Is, is my Mexicanness or lack thereof making me more genuine, more quality person, more of a quality person, more of an outstanding guy, an outstanding citizen? And it's weird because it's like, see, there's a thin line there because God made us all in His image, right? So. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight, as the song goes. Oh, okay. You've never heard that nope. song? Come on. Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. No. Nope. Jesus like loves a the little. <laughs> hey, but it's a cult of diversity and, <laughs> Inclusion. and, and coexist. Yeah. Coexistence. Yeah. It's, uh, John 10 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's interesting that he puts the thief there first and he explains what the thief is doing, stealing, killing, and destroying. So in that light, right, the basis of identity politics, right? Like I said, like, my is my Mexicanness or lack thereof... Is that <laughs> is that enough to make me a quality person? Does that make me a good person? Does that make me a person that's that's um, that's righteous, virtuous, that honest, has integrity, that tells the truth? How yeah? How would you got? How would you garner that from someone's Mexicanness? You wouldn't, because then right away, right away, someone's going to talk about. Well, we need to build a wall because look at if you look at Mexico and what's going on. Well, all Mexicans must be like that. Look at their country. Yeah, it's really it's a slippery slope, right? Like, so then, so then you would uh, a lot of times when it comes to certain demographics, right? A lot of times people talk about um, culture, right? And what does that really mean? You know what I mean? Like when people say, "Oh, culture." It, it, someone's culture really um, influences how they are. So what does that mean? It means that... Nature versus nurture? Yeah, like the nature versus nurture um, dichotomy. And, and what I, what, if we're thinking about it in this context, when I think of culture, I just think about what are the behavioral norms of a certain population or a certain tribe right. that is acceptable to that culture. So then you have cultural clashes because there's different behavior there's, norms there's and norms that are are, be, are not good with yeah. each other. The clash. Yeah. Right. So then what that tells me is your culture helps to influence who you are in that how in how you act out in the world. What type of person are you? Correct. And even further, even even more deeply, it's your home, it's your family, and it's your, your upbringing. Yeah, exactly. Your your home, your family is your first interaction with the culture. Right. Your family culture is what influences you. So, so that would be the nurture part of it. It's defining your morality yeah. too, right? Because it's like, well, my mom used to steal all the time. So that's why I thought it was okay to steal. Right. 
So then that's what that's why you would see in certain neighborhoods or you know income brackets there's um proclivity for more crime because of that's what they see around them that's what you hear with joe rogan he will always say that you know you're dealt with uh um with a bad hand of cards you know your dad stole your or he was in jail and so your friends are in the gang and you know that's just the lifestyle that's around you that's the culture of your upbringing so that's what you think is acceptable and that's how the way in which you acted in that culture was how you were, you know, kind of accepted into it and able to survive in it essentially. Right. But then you, you pull that person out of that culture, if you will, and it clashes with a a different type of culture. Even that's even within the U S which would give some validity to the argument that maybe California and Texas and New York shouldn't tell each other what to do and how to act because the cultures are different. You know, you have different cultures in different states and counties and different demographics. Yeah. Different, yeah. So then now the question is, how do you bridge the cap? How do you create cohesion? How do you make a more perfect union? So then the answer would be one, uh, uh, one answer could be, well, there has to be some objective, objective truths. There has to be an objective, uh, objective culture, maybe. Right. Or we, we all have we all have to have the same reference point. Yeah, the same reference point. What which would have been the Constitution? Which would have been the Constitution? There if you go. Politicians played by the rules and mm-hmm. um, upheld their oath. All treated equally under the law. Right. Essentially, right. If they did their jobs without mm-hmm. corruption, without you know, with integrity, right? Integrity. How honesty? How they acted out that culture, the culture of the constitution you can say it that way maybe we wouldn't be so divided and we wouldn't see as much chaos we wouldn't see such um political divisiveness we wouldn't be dealing with contradictory politicians because everyone's following the same script essentially in a sense right you can there's some variations from that but Essentially, we're all into that same that script. Is, that is kind of weird, right? If you think about it, hmm. why why is it that one side is following this playbook and this other side is following this other playbook? It's fifty states. Shouldn't they? Shouldn't they be? Shouldn't they be running the show like according accordingly? Yeah. Depending on where they live, what state, demographics, the population. You you would you we should see more diversity, right? It's, 50, it's fifty states. Yeah, the the needs of New York City are not going to be the same as Wyoming. But then you go into the idea or the discussion or the topic or the idea that um, early on the descendants of Cain created cities and technology, right? So then you deal with that reality and that truth. So then that adds another layer of complication because you can say that um, humanity wasn't created to live in the cities, right? That's a Phil Robertson thing. You there you go. From Duck Dynasty. So then what happens is that man has to create laws in in the context of the city. You know what's funny? That what you just said about the descendants of Cain, right, created the cities. But the flood got rid of all of Cain's descendants. Mm. That's something to chew on. That's something to chew on. But we still reverted back to that idea, back to that technology. Somehow or another, right? Yeah. Which would tell us that perhaps it exists outside of any one person or any one descendant, really. Well, that's right. That's that's the whole idea behind. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, there might be new things above heaven, though, or above the sun, but not under it. Wow, there you go. Heaven's calling. <laughs> the heavens. So, um, I mean, yeah. That's a, I, that, there's there's. There's some a lot. So I mean, it started off so slow that 
we bumbled our way through, but I think we got somewhere. And hey, there's something hey to, man, we need, you know, some preseason games, some scrimmage games, and some practice. We do. This is definitely a preseason game. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, were in the, <laughs> we were in the off season and nose we're back ble- on. Nosebleed section. <laughs> we have fake fans. <laughs> we just printed up some pictures of our friends. We have too many fake fans out there. <laughs> fake news. So uh, we'll go ahead and leave everyone off there with that. I hope you made it with us to the end. <laughs> Hopefully. Bit of a bumpy road to get here, but I think we made it somewhere. Calm down. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll get back on track. Um, We'll see you all next week or next time. Well, these people, they get it for free. Why are they complaining? (laughs) It's quality, okay? It's quality here. Um, It's good to see you, Lee. Good to be back. Isn't it cool to be back? It is. This feels great. This feels... Back back to the new normal. Yeah, this new whatever normal. Whatever that means. Whatever that means, right? Exactly. <laughs> whatever a new. How do you have a new normal? If it's normal, then it would be new. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, people. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, <laughs> this is just the same normal. Uh, hello, they had one of these uh, back in 1920, about right. They did Spanish flu, and whatnot. Oh, you can't call this Spanish flu during during the. I'm sorry, the Mexican the Mexican flu, <laughs> the European Mexican flu. <laughs> Reminds me of the office. Anyway. Anyways. All right. Is, is there a term other than Mexican that you prefer to be called, Oscar? <laughs> something less offensive. Perhaps something less offensive. And he's like, Mexican isn't offensive, Michael. What, what do you, what do you yeah. mean? Oh, oh I, I was just saying. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I knew that. Ah, that's, that's the sigh of relief right there of just feeling like we're back. Mm-hmm. Back on the flow. All right. Lots to chew on, lots to think about, and uh, we'll be back. Bye-bye. Bye.